really comes down to your definition of success and how it should be molded around love and family and the, the, the gifts that, that you are given uh, outside of the world of, of business. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you guys are at, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Succession, where our purpose is to pay success forward. This podcast is brought to you by Mavenbridge Capital, a private wealth management company, and my name is Christopher Fu. Today, I'm very excited to be sitting down with the individual that I'm with today. Um, he's someone that I've known for several years and deeply admired him when I first met him and just continue to you know, look up to him and see what he does in life. Um, I'm speaking today with Brendan Mulvihill. He graduated from Michigan University, uh, was a director of licensing at GoPro, the SVP of global licensing over at Junk and Media. And currently, he's the SVP of sales and marketing at ProTunes, which is a music and licensing platform. Brendan, thanks for joining today. Thanks for having me, buddy. I appreciate it. No, I really appreciate you. So, so as far as what you do currently for your career, your job, sales and marketing, looks like you have a very extensive background in that. What do you guys do right now at ProTunes? What do you do? So ProTunes is a music licensing platform. Uh, so we've aggregated about 140 different production music libraries into one platform where you can search and license all of that music in one place. So music is a very fragmented business and we've been able to put it all together in one spot to make it easier and more efficient to license music uh, from, from one place. So it's just uh, an efficiency tool uh, as, a, as, a, as a platform. Okay, so much bigger uh, catalog of music, it sounds like? Yeah, there's about 5 million tracks. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there's a lot. So it, is this more for, I guess, individuals who want to use music, for artists to get on there as well? It's, for, it's actually for ad agencies. And so okay. ad agencies, when you do, when you hear commercials, there's some type of music in the background. About 80% of the time, it's music that is just background music. So you often hear, you'll hear stuff that it, you don't recognize. It just hears like some tunes in the background. That's a lot of the music that we have on the platform. You'll, other, in other commercials, you'll hear major artist tracks and things like that. And we do work with that, that type of music. But for the most part, it's that, that other sort of background type music. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what production music is. Oh, I see, okay. So in the sales and marketing, you guys go out and uh, basically sell the services, the catalog and everything? Yeah, so we work with the ad agencies to get their folks to use the platform very much as a search engine and very much as a, as a tool to help them track all the licensing that they do and make it easier for their business affairs folks uh, and then the production folks to just go find the tracks. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of nuances to licensing music and can be very complicated, Yeah. but we've done our best to make it as simple as possible for you to be able to license a piece of music in one place under one agreement and just be done. And that's it. So it's a, it's a really nice tool for ad agencies to use because typically they'll have to go to each individual library, which obviously they can still do, but it's akin to going on to uh, an Amazon or going into a store like Target or uh, any other retailer where you have a bunch of products from a bunch of different manufacturers on one platform. And so that, it's akin to that, but it's for music. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. So that just makes it much more easier. It sounds like also it's for, for companies or businesses to go to one spot as opposed to, like you said, different platforms that might have, you know, some tunes and some tunes they don't like. 
That's right. So that it, of... it just makes it it just makes it a simpler process. And so you try to add really great search tools to make it easier for people to to find really good music, and you'd be able to do it. Again, a lot of nuances to licensing music, but it really just keeps it to a simple process. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And and so as far as you and and what you do, you have a team that you manage. Um, yeah, there is a team. So yeah. it's a, we're a smaller company, so we're a startup, and we're about twenty five people. And so my team right now is about five people, six people. And, and so we manage, uh, we have some account managers, some uh, direct seller, uh, and some administrative folks that, that work on our team specifically. And then we have obviously our engineers that are, are based in uh, actually Germany and the UK. Oh, okay. Yeah. So how, how old is the company right now, ProTunes? ProTunes is actually about seven years old. And it's, I would say it's, a, it's, a, it's still in startup phase in the sense that I've spent a lot of time, the company spent a lot of time building the product itself, getting the business ramped up and over the past year. So I've been at the company for a year and the idea is, okay, how do we grow now? How do we grow that business beyond just what it's been doing over the past few years and really push it out into ad agencies and brands all over the world? Oh, nice. So how does, how does that feel, I guess, to be part of like a startup? It's great. Honestly, most of my career has been in smaller businesses. The biggest company that I've been a part of is, is GoPro. And that was 2,000 employees. So it's still not a giant, giant business like some of the other you know, massive businesses that we know. But my whole world has been in smaller businesses. I started my career at a, a five-person company uh, in, in sports marketing and management, event management, and uh, have moved on to other sort of startup environments. So it's something that I'm used to, and it's, uh, it's something that I enjoy. I enjoy building businesses. Yeah. And while it's super challenging, it's really rewarding and, and fun to to be there from the ground up and see something grow. Oh yeah, well I'm sure also with that uh, the excitement, there's obviously a lot of stress, a lot of. There is, there is because, and it depends on the the, the environment. Certainly, the people that you work with lend to that, but there is a, a significant amount of stress as it relates to just having to move forward, right, and try to make the business grow incrementally if you can. If obviously if you can get that hockey stick growth, that's where you you're, it's the key, but. It's, it can be stressful because you're dealing personally with people. I have not owned the businesses, but you're dealing with people who have owned the businesses, who have a lot of money invested and a lot of sweat equity invested. And you take that personally in terms of taking that on with them so that you can help that business grow for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they look to you obviously as a big key vital role, you know, in any startup, um, you need the right people around you to Make it grow, obviously. Yeah, I hope so. You know, <laughs> I hope so. I, uh, I, I do my best to really put myself in their position, respect the entrepreneurs that I have worked for and with, and um, take that very seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Now, graduating from Michigan, did you, what did you major in? Is this something that you knew you wanted to get into, like licensing? Not, not even a little bit. No. Like, I don't even, th you could ask you know, 10 people what content licensing is and, you know, 9.8 of them wouldn't know what it is. So, no, I went to school. I had a, a business degree at Michigan, an undergraduate business degree from Michigan, and I wanted to be in the sports business. And so when I graduated, I went for went to work with a small event production company, which was not traditional. Graduating from a, a, a large school with a really good business program, a lot of kids went into consulting and finance and brand marketing. And it's really, it just wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in the sports business. And it's not what it is today in terms of all the digital outlets and how sports has proliferated, particularly on television. 
So I went and worked with a, a production company, a, a, an event production company, which honestly, looking back, it was a big deal for my career because I had to do everything. They had to wear a lot of hats. So I was hired as a salesperson, as a business development person. But within six months, one of the race directors had quit and I had to run one of the races. Oh. So not only was I selling the sponsorships, but I had to run one of the races. So it helped me in a, an operational capacity as well. A lot of sales folks don't have that operational experience to just core sellers, uh, which is a great, great quality to have. But I also added that skill set early. So it made a difference, I think. It, it was challenging at the time, but looking back on it as, as I age, it, you realize what the benefit was. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I came from a sales background and, and I think I agree with you as far as not having the operational, you don't know that side of the business, how, how the business is run and, and, you know, some of the things that maybe as a salesperson take for granted too on the other end of it. I think it's a really big thing, especially for salespeople to understand every, and anybody who works at, your, at a business, I think it's really important for you to understand every aspect of the business that you can so that you can speak intelligently about it. Oftentimes I hear salespeople talk about, well, my clients do this and my clients like that. But sometimes those things always don't ramp up to the greater business as a whole. It's always great to have that feedback, but you want to be able to look at the business holistically. And I think that helps put you in a better position to continue to grow the business, move up in your career in terms of your, your managerial potential. And then ultimately, maybe to own your own business, if that is something that you're interested in, because I think selling is a core experience for any entrepreneur. You have to be able to do it. But at the same time, I think you have to have the perspective holistically of how businesses work, the finance part of it, the marketing part of it, the operations part of it. Yeah, I appreciate sharing that. I mean, like you said, I think most entrepreneurs are, yeah, salespeople at heart. But again, all the other operational things, the marketing especially, um, is is key and it's vital. And if you don't have those things, you got to make sure you have the right people. Th that's right. That experience. Yeah, that's right. So you you mentioned that you you know wanted to get into the sports industry. Did that for a little bit. Um, is is that something that you would want to you know look back at you know or or I guess go into in the future or or is that you know something still on your mind? It always it always is. Yeah. yeah, it always is. I think when I'm I so to go back to your other question, did I ever find my like licensing content, which is not something that people know about, right? It's so it's it, to put it in perspective, image licensing or video licensing and now music licensing, that's what I have become an expert at in terms of managing intellectual intellectual property and then monetizing that those assets. Not something that I have ever heard of, but the reason why I found out about it because the company that I originally went to work with they managed the archive for the NCAA. Mm. Oh, and wow. so they had all this amazing content of something that I was super passionate about. And that's what took me to that company and down that path initially, because they had amazing sports content that could be licensed out to third parties, whether that was to movies or television shows or to advertisers. Oh, wow. Okay. So you, you must have been uh, super excited, you know, to have done that. Incredibly right, excited. Right off the bat. Yeah, incredibly excited because I, I have licensed content from the masters to, to Nike, or I've licensed NCAA footage to Buffalo Wild Wings. And so that part of it was super exciting to at least be somewhat still associated with sports. Yeah. And that's what, that's why I took that particular role. Um, it has expanded into other parts of, of the business, but yeah, it was the impetus for at least going to that direction. Now, do you see licensing in as long as you've been doing it now, you know, change over the years? Is it, is it, I guess, Simpler, more complicated. I think most people just, you know, don't know how, what's entailed, right? They, they don't know that, oh yeah, if you use certain music, 
you got to make sure you have a license or a role yeah and it has become more complicated with the internet in terms of uh, the, the creator community and what people can and can't use legally and understanding all the the rights that surround a piece of content but it has i think technology has made it so you can get to things faster you can find content faster for your for your programming or whatever you're you're creating and that has made it so that in many ways it's easier to find the content but it's still the idea of being able to take something from someone else without the appropriate permissions that does become more complicated obviously we live in a world where people share content all the time right yeah yeah so that's i guess yeah i'm curious about that you know you share content all the time but then all of a sudden you know maybe that content there was no intent to have a license and all of a sudden it becomes big i mean can they do anything might be a stupid question but retro yeah. Well, you, you can. So it's, as a creator, you want to be very careful in understanding of what you're using. Okay. So if it's not yours and it doesn't belong to you and it belongs to someone else or someone else creates it, you're going to want to get some type of permission for it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Whether that's an official license or it's you reach out and ask for permission, you have to be careful in terms of the like, hey, the, you want to fair use something that is very unlikely that it's really fair use because it's, it's quite complicated. So you do have to be understanding of what to do. If they do take something and there a claim is made against it. And this is pretty in the weeds, but yeah, you can work something out typically. And, and hopefully the, the, the entity that you're dealing with is reasonable. Yeah. Some entities are, are very strong with their intellectual property. So wow. they, you know, takedowns and things of that nature are a very big deal for creators on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. We know that for a fact, and it can cause a lot of problems with, with how they're trying to monetize their careers by, by not understanding some basics of intellectual property mm -hmm. okay i see yeah that makes well what about like these sites you know you can uh, use these songs or whatnot for free you know things like that yeah so that's that's real i mean there yeah. are places where music you can get music for free or it's it's um creative commons or things like that okay there's other sites where I'll put it in quotes, it's royalty free. It's not, that's a, it's a nuanced sort of yeah. discussion, right? Yeah. But you can play, f pay flat fees for access to libraries of music. And those are then tracked by whoever owns that music. But yeah, those are, that's a, that's a big deal though. There's a lot of companies that, that are in that space. Um, and some of the bigger ones are like an epidemic sound or some, someone like that who you may have heard of mm -hmm. where they allow you to pay one price and use a lot of music. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I thank you for like expanding on, you know, the whole licensing sure. world. I think, I think a lot of us don't know, you know, obviously how the nuances and everything works. Yeah, especially and, for podcasters and, yeah. and and creators in general, it's it's something to look into and, and understand so that your hard work is not claimed by someone else. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's so important. Yeah, especially if you're trying to, like I said, you're a creator. Um, now, with your your journey, your business, your profession, uh, would you say there has been some difficult points, and if so, you know what was the most difficult thing that you've sure. probably had to you know, overcome? Yeah, a lot of difficulties. Yeah. Frankly, it, it's it, it. My career has uh, taken a path that you would not have have sort of scripted, and so that comes with its own frustrations in terms of trying to understand where you're at in the world and your career and putting that into perspective because maybe you're not particularly happy with the exact spot that you're in, and so that is challenging. You know, not always knowing and guiding the the guiding in the way that you think it should go. And I've had, I've had layoffs. I've been laid off. So the biggest challenge is when I, when I was about 30, I was at Idea Lab and it was in 2000, uh, 2008. 
And if you remember, it was the, mm -hmm. the Great Recession. It was a, a, a really rough time. Yeah. And I got laid off from my job because there's startups inside Idea Lab. It was a great place to work, but things didn't work out and I was laid off. And I was out of work for nine months. Jeez. So as you turn 30, and you're, I was 31 at the time, and you're out of work for nine months, and my career, again, didn't follow a specific path, it was challenging. I felt very challenged by it and was super stressed out about it. Um, so yeah, that was a tough time for sure. Yeah, that was definitely a tough time, I think, for a lot of people, for yeah. sure, for sure. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of different uh, right now. You know, you, we come out of COVID and, you know, we went to the little spike recession. We thought there'd be loss of jobs and everything. And now it's just like plentiful jobs. Yes. It's, it's the craziest thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it was uh, it was different then, obviously. Um, but that was a tough time in my career. And that's where I f I f I'll say fell into licensing. I found that the place where I went to work through sports and it took a while. I'm not going to lie to you. I was, I was, it was a tough time. Yeah. So like I empathize with anybody who's going through that all the time. So I do whatever I can to help someone who is in that position, who is in the position of looking for work and do my best to just be a help helping hand as much as I can. That's awesome. I mean, did you, did you have like mentors growing up, you know, who helped you and that's kind of where you learned to, to do the same thing, you know, for other people. It's funny. I don't, I always sort of ha struggle with this because I don't think I've had a clear mentor that has always been with me with the exception of two people, uh, my dad, who I can always rely on to be a sounding board, thankfully. And then another gentleman I worked for, uh, it was my second job. I went to work with him and he was this really, really successful uh, entrepreneur and, uh, and had a real estate business. And he brought me into his company to help him with some other entrepreneurial uh, endeavors. And so those two people, I think I, I look up to uh, through, for the rest of the time. It, I, I envy people who have had someone or consistently as a, as a mentor that they can always turn to from a career perspective. I've been lucky. So I had those two folks, but sometimes you miss that. And it's important to have that, find those people and uh, you know, learn from them. And what I've come to realize is that it doesn't necessarily have to be someone who's with you all the time. Mentors come in and out of your career and that's, you have to recognize that too. Yeah. Okay. And I'm sure you also take a lot of that into, you know, because you're managing people as well. Um, I do. Yeah. And I find it, uh, I take managing people uh, extremely seriously and, and have a great responsibility to serve them as, as best as I can. And I always talk about that, that may be at the company that we're at right now, or your, your next role and mm -hmm. sort of setting you up to, to be successful there. So that's an important thing for me to, to, to be a leader in service and, and set them up to be successful uh, in, in anything that they do. I mean, what would you say is the most difficult part as far as the, uh, you know, having to, to manage people who are dependent on you, obviously, as well, to, to lead them, right? What, uh, I guess, what's difficult or, or the, the thing that you find most uh, hard to do? Man managing somebody's expectations and uh, their sort of what their own aspirations are can be challenging because sometimes those diverge from what is needed at the time and at the company. And so you really have to try to align those things as best as possible in any given, in any given time, because you have a responsibility. I feel like I have a responsibility to that person again, to help them in any way, but you also have a very much responsibility to the business. And so aligning those two things, I think can often be, be challenging, but it's, it's doable, but you have to work at it. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can definitely tell you have a passion for, you know, for what you do. Um, what would you say, I guess, is the, the reason for that passion? What is it that you enjoy the most about what you do? I, I think it's, uh, well, as far as like the, 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 the people management part of it, I think it's 
really trying to be a good person and trying to take other people's, you know, help them in their career. And sometimes in a way that maybe I didn't think someone had helped me in the past, you know, and just sort of take a look at why we can be better people in terms of how we help other people grow. And I think sometimes that's taken for granted. I think people can be, you can be selfish. It's easy to be selfish, but that's not the way I look at it. And I take that responsibility very seriously. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, I, that's exactly, you know, what this whole podcast is about is, is paying it forward and, and helping other people. And uh, I think you're right. You know, a lot of people, unfortunately, don't, don't see it that way sometimes. And I think we need a lot more of that. Agreed. Um, so that we can all be in a better place, you know? Yeah. Help each sure. other out. For sure. Yeah, yeah I, I think you have to. And I think it makes it, uh, especially now, you know, where there's a lot of argument and people going back and forth, unfortunately. And, you know, it just is a way, if you can just help somebody, it just makes you feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Now, I wanted to ask something uh, in relation, I guess, to, to licensing. I don't know if you know much about it with NFTs. Yeah. How does that all fit in this licensing world if it does? It does. It actually does. There's a, a lot of intellectual property aspects to NFTs yeah. that can create value or make it not as valuable as you think it, it could be, right? If you look at something like uh, Board Ape Yacht Club, which is one of the bigger NFTs right now, okay. they provide the owner of that NFT with all the intellectual property rights that they need to create their own uh, brands and or subsequent uh, derivative intellectual property from, from those characters, okay? So that's a big deal because there's, there's a lot of value in that. So you could take, for example, Universal has Board Ape Yacht Club uh, NFTs, and they have those, those characters. Okay. They're actually using them to create their own, uh, own band out of those NFTs, okay? Which means you, can, you could then, if you own it, you could put it on a t-shirt and sell it. You could put it on, there's an NBA player who's put it on his own tennis shoes. So you actually own something, which is interesting. That is, yeah, that's really interesting in them just... But then I guess the, the where people look at it right now is you own something and it just sells for some insurmountable you know, amount. Well, then there's the ridiculous end of it where it, it seems like you're buying nothing. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. I mean, I see a piece of pixelated art, for example, and I'm like, well, what if I just change the color and it still looks the same? I mean, what difference does that make at that point? I think we're... I think we're early, early, early days in NFT. And yeah. I think because of the world we live in and the way that the world communicates, it feels like we know more than we should. Yeah, okay. And so if you go back to when the internet was created and it was being created for quite some time, imagine that we were covering the internet creation as if it was today in terms of information, right? We would know a lot more than we would and it would feel so, sort of strange. So I think that's where we are with NFTs. I think there's a lot of garbage out there, honestly. And most of it I look at and you know, I don't get this. I don't, right. I don't get it. Yeah. But there are some things that you see the benefit in terms of the technology specifically. And then really keep an eye on like what you actually, what you actually own when you get an NFT. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, comparing it to, yeah, when the internet first came out, we just have so much information today that it just seems like it's accelerated you know, in as far as its uh, usage or, or what it really is. Right. Um, and I think for, for me, at least, and I think like our generation, you know, we, we just, we, we were kind of born, not born into the internet, but we knew how to use it, but we knew what life was before without right. the internet. Right. So we kind of still have that old school, a little bit mentality of like, 
Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know about this, <laughs> and I still don't know about NFTs. But I there there will be some a lot of value at some point. I just think it's sort of the early days, and the the froth will you know be gone, and the 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 aspect of the uncertainty will go away. Um, but that's why you have to be very careful. And I don't know who's spending the amounts of money that they're spending on pixelated art. Uh, you know, <laughs> you spend a hundred thousand dollars on pixelated art. I don't know who can afford that. You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's what I mean. Like, well, it's only on my computer. I can see it. Or that's on my it. Phone, maybe. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> or print it out. There something. is a company that has a uh, has a frame that you can put your your NFT art in. I think I've but, seen that. But the unfortunate part is, and then you can resell it. But then the the art doesn't leave that frame. And so what me, it means that two people can have it. Yeah. They haven't figured that out. So there's this stuff wow. like that where eventually you got to figure that out. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm sure in, in licensing, do, do you see that as something growing in your industry that you guys will have to adapt to as well? Or? I think the blockchain could provide a, 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 a public ledger on who owns what in a way that is very significant in terms of Right now, you, uh, you, you're a creator and any other individual creator may not realize who owns something. And then if there's a, a public ledger for it where it's recorded and everyone knows who owns it, I think that's extremely valuable. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm sure, like, it's, like you said, in your world and in so many different worlds, I think that's also gonna become more widely used yeah. because you have a, a paper trail, basically. That's right. what it is. Yeah. So anything in your... Uh, that you're working on your career, what, you know, what do you see in 10 years, kind of how the thing looks it, for you, your journey? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question because I could not have told you where I was gonna be 10 years ago. <laughs> and as I get into the age I'm at now, I'll be 44 this year, you start to look at what's the second half of my career look like? And because we know that typically at, you know, I'm reaching the age of, as I get past that 10 year period, you're sort of outside of your core earning years. Mm. And there's people who are younger than you who have uh, their, their capabilities of learning things is, 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 is a higher capacity than, than what mine would be at. But I have what, what we call institutional knowledge. And so you look at, does, does, the career, does my career um, move into something where I'm more of a mentor and helping others with their businesses based on the, the institutional knowledge that, that I have? And so I'm hopeful to be in that, that place where I have done well enough in my career and can help others in their journey as well as far as what my core knowledge is. And it's not necessarily licensing per se, but just the knowledge of sales organizations and in the startup world. And I hope that's probably the, the direction that I would be and I would, um, I would hold in a, in, ten, in a 10 year period. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Looking forward to seeing, you know, what, how that happens. Yeah. We'll see, we'll see how it plays out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, any concerns uh, that you have as far as, you know, looking to the future, um, you know, with a career path or things like that? Yeah, I, you, you always, uh, in the back of your head, sort of want to make sure that the, the, I think, okay, are the places that I'm at now, and if I'm, I'm rolling the dice in a, in a world of, of startups, mm -hmm. does, does, those start, does one of the startups not work, right? And how do you, it, as you get older, can you bounce back from that? And uh, it, it, there is, ageism is a thing. In, in the world uh, of, of business, unfortunately. Yeah. But I think that that would be something that I, I sort of in the back of my head, you know, oh, what if that doesn't work out, you know? Thankfully, um, I think one of the things I am a, I'm a saver by, at heart. So I think that, you know, I don't get overly concerned about it just in case, but you know, that's something that I think about for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's a, and that's a great way to, you know, look at it. Like, like you said, I mean, most people, maybe younger people, 
think of it as startup. Oh, cool. It's going to be around forever. Um, but like you said, as you get older, your mindset changes a little bit. You're like, oh, it's a startup. Could, could go under. You know? I, I think that you have to embrace failure and have to know failure is, is an option and it, it could occur. And I'm a huge, like mixed martial arts fan. Yeah. And so, you know, all those guys understand what failure is because you, they don't go through it. Uh, they, they go through it all the time. You just don't win all the time. And so you don't let it stop you though. And so once you understand that failure is an option, then you're not scared of it anymore. And that's what I, I under, I, I've learned from the entrepreneurs that I've worked with that they've ex experienced a lot of failure and they've just kept going. I think that's just what you have to do. Yeah, I mean, you really do. So is that kind of um, how you've kept your success in your career and life going? Is that that? As that I get old, yeah, mentality? as I get older, as yeah. I get older, I think that's it. Like, it's okay. Like, it could definitely end. You know, it, it, something that I'm doing could definitely fail, but that's okay. Yeah. I think when I was younger, I didn't have that attitude, which is strange because usually when you're younger, younger, you have less responsibilities. But I've become more comfortable with where I'm at and what my skill set is that in case there is failure, I should be okay because I've gone through a bunch of stuff in the past. I, kn I know what it's like. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I think that's, that's so important, you know, the, the knowing that it's okay to fail. Um, I think a lot of people just are afraid of failing and, and don't ever want that to happen, but it's okay. You know, you pick yourself back up. It is, and I think you, you learn it from folks who have, have experienced it. And I think we don't talk about failure enough as a, as a society. And I think it's a really important thing to understand. And, you know, God bless and hats off to all the entrepreneurs who have, including yourself, Thank you. who are out there, you know, trying to do that. And it's good to see us making a shift in terms of entrepreneurialism and how it becomes, you know, is really ingrained in our society. But really doing it the right way, I think is important. Just the hustle culture and stuff, you gotta watch it because not everybody is, thinks that they have to put in the work that they have to put in. Yeah, yeah, they, they see the, uh, the IG life. That's right, that's right, <laughs> and I think that's right. And so Instant. It, yeah. So mixed martial arts, what is it you love about mixed martial arts? I'll tell you what, it's, it's amazing in terms of the, the dedication and the amount of work and how difficult it is. I, I, I watched UFC one when I was in, um, in high school. I happened, happened to catch it. Uh, one night I was gonna go to a football game, a high school football game, and I saw that they were gonna have this fighting uh, between all these guys on, on TV. And I, I asked my dad if I could get it on pay-per-view yeah. and, and we got it. So I watched Hoist Gracie win. And then uh, I didn't watch it for a long time. And then I got back into it because I tried jujitsu and doing jujitsu made me feel and understand what they go through because it is hard. It is really hard to have another man on top of you with their just knee on your belly or just their entire weight on you. It makes you understand what they're going through in that ring. And so I just have a lot of respect for the folks that, that go and do it. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I mean, it looked tough seeing you do it. It's a, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, I go in there and you're like, oh, I think I can take this guy. And then you realize, no, no, no you can't. And it, it humbles you in a, in a, in a real, very yeah. real way. You know, a lot of people walk around like tough guys, but the reality is, is that you just have no idea what someone else is capable of. And I think that makes you understand to be humble so that you don't think that you can do everything because someone may humble you. Yeah, yeah, that's an that's a awesome way I think to, to have and to think. Because, um, yeah, you may be smaller, but that doesn't mean that, you know, he's any less stronger. He could be very much more stronger, you just don't more know. intelligent. Yeah, you, know. you just don't know. So it's, it's yeah. respect, you know, yeah. respect people. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, again, thanks for sharing that, Brendan. Um, you know, so as you know, you know, this podcast is, you know, designed to help people achieve more wealth, wisdom, you know, hopefully just live healthier, more fulfilling lives. Um, any advice, personal experience that you can share that helped you, you know, achieve some of those things, you know, wisdom, wealth, just living a more fulfilling life? Yeah. Uh, and it didn't occur to me. I, w- I was given some feedback early on in my career when I worked for this, the gentleman that I had mentioned who was a, a mentor of mine and our, our business had ended. And he told me that I would, I would do well in business. He, he said, you'll do pretty well in business, but you're going to have a really successful life. And at first I didn't know how to take that. You know, I was like 29, 28, 29. Yeah. I mean, how do you, how do you take something like that? You know, someone who just says, yeah, Brendan, you're going to be successful. Like. And it, he was, and he was uber successful. And the way I heard it, I heard like, maybe you'll be good in business. And I was like, well, what does he think? I'm not, I'm not good at business, yeah. right? So fast forward to today, and I really, really understand what he was talking about in terms of successful lives. And it really comes down to your definition of success and how it should be molded around love and family and the, the, the gifts that, that you are given uh, outside of the world of, of business. And not that it, the business world is something that you should still strive to, do well, strive to do well in, but you don't always have to regard your life as successful based on, just based on money. And I think when I, and I look back again at 44 and listen to that statement, that's what he was talking about. That's what's important. It's about your family. It's about love. It's about happiness. And so that's how I think about it. It's a constant struggle to all, for, even for me today to just, sort of remind myself because I am that type of personality that wants to be successful in everything that I do. But you have to go, gosh, I am, I'm very, very happy and successful the way I think I should be defined in terms of family, love, health, happiness. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I I think, you know, I share the exact same sentiment. I'm like you very driven, you know, wanting to be successful and, and just always have that drive. But I think with that drive, sometimes, you know, you need to also slow down and really, like you said, take it in and be aware of what's the most important Definitely. things. Definitely. So it's perfect, you know, leading into uh, one of my favorite questions, you know, financial wise, something that I, I assimilate to, you know, why people do what they do, whether it be go to work, open a business and grind, um, invest in the stock market, even though you don't have any experience, um, you know, why, what would you say is your purpose, you know, why you do? you know, what you do? For me, it's my, it's my family. And I think that I can take that from my dad. My dad works so hard his whole life and he's the hardest working person that I know. I would watch him work hours and hours and hours when I was, I was younger. And he did that for us. I know he did that for us. And so that's, for me, that's what it's for. It's for my kids. It's for my wife to, again, to have a life that we're, we're happy with in terms of you know, can we, can we feel fulfilled every single day and can they, can they you know, live a life that, 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 that they're ha- proud of and happy with? So that's what it is for me. Um, that's why I work hard. Um, I think that's the, the, what it comes down to because anything outside of that really doesn't matter. Great. Yeah. Now, what do you think that Brendan 20 years from now would tell you today? Man, that's a good question. I think it's, um, I think it's to the idea that I would probably tell myself uh, even uh, 20 years ago, it's just not to worry. You know, I, I'm the type of person that can find myself worrying about things. And so with age, 
you realize that you're gonna get through it. Mm -hmm. It's gonna work out in some way and it maybe it's not always awesome, but again, you just gotta keep going. And so that's what I, I would say. Cause even to, to this day, I still, there's still stuff I think about and worry about just like anybody else. Yeah. And I think that's the advice is like, don't worry, just keep going, work hard and you'll get through it. When you're, when you get stressed, when you, you know, have those thoughts, I, do you take it out on the, uh, Punching bag? Yeah, yeah. Thank God. <laughs> I, I have the bag in the garage. <laughs> I have the bag in the garage. So I do that. I try to exercise uh, every day in some capacity, and uh, meditation helps as well. Yeah. Do you meditate every day? I don't. I wish I did it every day, but I, uh, I used to. Uh, my practice was pretty solid, but recently it, it hasn't been as solid. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. What, what uh, any specific type of meditation? Uh, transcendental uh, meditation. Transcendental meditation. Yeah. What was that like? So it's basically, it's a, it's a practice and it's base, it's, it's to quiet your mind to, to basically, um, to nothing for, so there's just nothing that passes through. So you're not thinking it's not a guided meditation or it's, it's nothing like that. So you use a, what's called a mantra to just get your, your mind quiet. And eventually it, it does work. Legitimately, it does work that your, your mind does quiet and it does, it's just a lot of people are thinking, thinking, thinking all the time. And yeah. so it allows us that, that peace and quiet. Any specific uh, mantra that was your favorite or one that couple that you use the most? When you learn uh, transcendental meditation, they give you a mantra. Oh, okay. And you're not supposed to, to divulge that mantra. Oh, okay, any, okay. That's, yes. that's pretty cool. Yeah. And okay. it, honestly, I don't know if it's the same for everybody. Frankly, I don't know. But yeah. it's something that they give you and then you just sit with it and you use it each time. So did you go to a studio and then they were like, okay, Brendan, this is your... I went to someone who who has been expert in oh. transcendental meditation, and then she taught me. Oh, nice! And it doesn't—it's not hard. It's not a lot of teaching. It's like three days of like you go for an hour, and then you just sit, and she she shows you how to do it, and it's that simple. Yeah. And the, honestly, the 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 medical benefits are all—they're legitimate. It's it's uh, noted by the American Heart Association. They use it for children uh, in schools, and it's uh, it's very legit. Yeah, yeah, that's that's nice. I, I haven't heard of transcendental meditation. I've heard of just repeating mantras. Yeah, before, but uh, didn't know there was an actual term. There is, yeah. For that, yeah. Nice. Uh, now I'm sure you already mentioned him, but or maybe not. Who, who's I guess the person you admire the most? Oh, it's my dad. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He's yeah. just he's just a hardworking guy, and uh, the the definition of of just keep going. Yeah. Honestly, and uh, we, my dad, uh, the first movie my dad ever took me to see was Rocky Three. Uh, -huh. uh, I think it was 1982, 83, I was four or five. Uh, and we've seen, we've subsequently seen every single Rocky movie together. Uh, regardless, there's been times where my dad has, uh, has been in other places and I was at school, but we've seen every single Rocky, even the creeds together. Nice. And the, 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 th there's a quote that stands out from Rocky. It's not how hard you hit. It's how hard you get hit and keep going. And that's just my dad. Like his, his whole life has been like that. And it's really impressive just to watch him, you know, go through any ups and downs and just keep going and, and provide for our family and do what he's needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see he, he's one of the coolest guys I've ever <laughs> Thanks. met and yeah. see how that translates into you. Yeah. One of the most nicest guys. He's the best guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, a, he'll give you the shirt off his back. He's just a really, um, people love, love my dad. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, he's, he's, yeah. So yeah, he's the person I most admire for That's sure. Awesome. Yeah. Um, now if you're not doing, if you were not doing what you're doing today, uh, what would you be wanting it's funny. to do? They, they asked me the same question when I, when I was in college, yeah. uh, when I, they were like, if you didn't, if you weren't going to go into business, what would you go into? 
And the answer is still probably coaching or teaching. Coaching, yeah. Yeah, I think, and they're one and the same for me. Uh, I think they would be, uh, I, I enjoy coaching my children in the sports that they do. And I enjoy teaching and just, just helping younger people. And I think it's a, a, just an, a, one of the most admirable careers that you can have. And I think it's, uh, it's as hard as it is, as frustrating as it is, uh, believe me, when you're trying to deal with like five and six-year-olds. <laughs> uh, but it, sometimes you want to scream. But it's, yeah. it's, it's very rewarding. So, yeah, that's what I would probably be doing. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm sure it's very rewarding just to see. You. Now, would you want to stick with, you know, the younger kids or go older you know, I don't know. I think it, probably I probably go a little older. I'll be honest. Yeah. Just I think I think just you know that um, probably that high school age I think is a really important time in your life, uh, and it's probably something like that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Any any particular sport? Yeah. Well, if if I had s sort of learned and played more football, I think football is something that that I, I am connected to. I I didn't play uh, in in high school, but I always I always follow the plays and the strategies and things like that. So, uh, that's the sport I'm most knowledgeable at anyway. Nice. Yeah. Uh, any, any daily routines that you, you typically do to get yourself ready for the day? I go for a morning walk every day. Yeah. Yeah. And that has increased uh, as I found myself being more sedentary. Uh, but <laughs> I do. So yeah. I get to, I'll get up, I get to, you know, we get the kids ready, we get them out the door and thankfully working from home allows me that time to then go for about a 30 minute walk every morning to just get the day started. Yeah, so this whole working from home, I mean, how, how has that been with the kids? You guys adjusted now? Yeah, it, yeah. it first when it first hit and you're home with your kids and they have to get to school, it's a bit hectic and chaotic. We're lucky because we have some help from our both sides of our family, our parents. So we're very lucky in that way. But I really, really love working from home. I was driving to Culver City, which from uh, where I live um, in Los Angeles, it, it's about an hour and 15 minute commute each way. And so that's a lot of time to be in the car. So okay. you got to get in the car early, you got to deal with traffic, you got to get there. Now I have so much more time in my day. I have more time in my day to spend with the kids, to exercise, to be at dinner with them. And it just, it's, it's made my life a lot better. That's awesome. Well, I'm sure that also helps your, your work life too, just being able, again, to spend more time with the kids and... It does. You know, it does. It just, it, because it doesn't feel like you, sometimes when you're at the office and you're just like, I got to get home or I want to get home and it sort of tears you away. Then you got to do this thing where you go back and forth and you got to get back on later on. It's not like that. There's a way to integrate your life so that you can function with your family and your work at the same time. And sometimes those things cross over and that's okay because you feel like you have the time to make it, to make it happen. I know some people have a hard time with it and working from home. And I still like, you know, the idea of going to an office every once in a while to see people, I, you know, you miss that, the, the camaraderie of it. But I just feel like it's, it's been a, a godsend for me. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, now, I know you mentioned you would want to do coaching, but, you know, you've, you've helped a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, you know, with their business, the startups. Uh, would there be any, I guess, thought of you starting your own business? Has that ever crossed your mind? It crossed my mind yeah. all the time. Yeah. 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 All the time. <laughs> and it's, I, I look at it as, and I don't know if this is appropriate, but the, the ultimate success for me would be to have, to have my own business at some point. Okay. And I, I don't know when that occurs. And I think that, um, but it's still something that I would, would, would love to do in some capacity. It doesn't even have to have to be, I don't look at it as like having to create a business that's ultimately huge. And then you have a giant exit and that's, that's what success looks like. I don't have that thought. Yeah. That would be amazing. But a lifestyle business that you create for yourself that helps you have the life that you want is also is also amazing. Oh, yeah. And so I think those uh I think that's definitely still on the table at some point. Cool. Yeah. Cool. 
Uh, last question, Brendan. Any life motto, tips, advice, something you know you go by um, every day that you can share? I think it's the thing I mentioned earlier, and what I've learned from the entrepreneurs that I have worked for and with is to to just keep going. And that is something that I think we all have to, to really consider because you can find yourself in tough spots. Mental health is a problem these days and it's something that's very top of mind. And it's easy to, to feel bad and, and to just get stuck. What can you do to just keep going? What's that next sort of activity to change the energy, to make it change your chi, so to speak, is uh, I, I worked for GoPro and uh, that's what uh, Nick Woodman would say, the chi. Yeah. And so I think that's the thing. You just keep going. Try to change the chi. Try to change your energy. And the only way to do it, you can't just sit there. You can't just be still. You have to take a step. Yeah. And that will make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that, Brendan. Thank you for sharing your time, you know, honestly with me today. I think, you know, just again, seeing your path, just like I mentioned, you know, earlier, you're definitely one of the people I look up to, you know, very um, solid example, great guy, um, you know, just a great mentor i appreciate that. that i appreciate that, that. i'm proud of you brother for doing <laughs> this and, and doing your own thing it takes a lot of courage and um i wish you all the success thank you thank you well hopefully you know you'll have your a podcast maybe too yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> well we'll look forward to that great awesome <laughs> awesome well again brendan thank you again for coming on succession uh for you guys uh thank you guys for tuning in i hope you guys enjoy the rest of your morning afternoon evening thank you very much my name is chris If you guys found this episode of Succession helpful for yourself, or maybe you're thinking of someone that could maybe benefit from hearing it as well, please don't forget to pass it on. The whole point of Succession and also with success itself, I think we find it more gratifying, especially if we can help others. So again, if you find someone that can benefit from listening, let them know, hey, check this episode out. I think you'll love it. And that's the best way that we can continue to pay success forward. Now, to learn more information about Maven Bridge Capital, please go ahead and visit our website at mavenbridgecapital.com. That's M-A-V-E-N, bridge, capital, C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Please be sure to check us out, leave comments. You know, we're also continuing to improve and, and build our firm. So any questions that we can also help you with from a financial advice standpoint, we love to do that as well. Other than that, again, I hope you guys have a great day and I look forward to speaking to you all again very soon. Thank you so much. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Private Wealth Services, LLC, an affiliate of Kestra is. Maven Bridge Capital and Kestra Investment Services are not affiliated. Kestra is and Kestra is do not provide tax or legal advice. The opinions expressed in this commentary are those of the author and may not necessarily reflect those held by Kestra Investment Services, LLC or Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. This is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual. It is suggested that you consult your financial professional attorney, or tax advisor with regard to your individual situation. Comments concerning the past performance are not intended to be forward-looking and should not be viewed as an indication of future results.